Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Welcome back to the Alpha Gamma Delta podcast, Love, Lead, Listen. Today we're here with Elise Garcia from The Strong Movement. Elise, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Elise, tell me a little bit about The Strong Movement. What is this? Yeah, so I guess if I can go back in time and kind of explain how it came to be, my um, passion for wellness really and and well-being really began when I was in college at USC as a freshman. You know, I got I got there and um, you know you 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 move away from home, so all of your established routines change. It's a huge lifestyle change, and so um, I went from having a very structured lifestyle to not having anything. And so um, you know there weren't very many classes, or there weren't really any at all on how to live a healthy lifestyle, how to develop healthy habits. And so um, I quickly found myself not feeling like with a lot of lack of energy, not very confident. And so um, I started learning how to work out and 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 from there um, really developed a blog that just was this, this little tiny blog that I put up online to, to put my workout tips and to put my nutrition tips and motivational tips. And the next thing I knew, it was what is now the strong movement today. And um, so our main mission is to inspire women to be their best and to build strong bodies and strong minds. That is so exciting. So when you started off you this is based off of your wellness journey of like Mm -hmm. going to college and not really knowing what wellness is and knowing how to like take care of your body and your mind as well right absolutely and I you know I continue to see this across the country on multiple campuses it's just now where I think campuses are starting to realize that they need to provide resources for undergraduates and even graduate students on you know how to develop these healthy habits how to really be well on campus I mean so often you're just thrown in without any resources and so you're, <laughs> yes. you're kind of left to figure it out on yourself you're thrown into the deep end and there's no one really there to guide you along to help you and I think students really need that. And I know that's what I needed. (laughs) And it still seems to be the case. So what was that spark that kind of as you were on campus and you're learning, you know, that you're not sure how to take care of yourself? What kind of what sparked that? Like, what was that moment, that light bulb moment where you're like, I need to do something. I need to like learn how to take care of myself. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I love pizza and I love Starbucks lattes. (laughs) And so it was something where, you know, living in a dorm in a dorm where you have the cafeteria right underneath you on the first floor, I found myself going at all hours of the day, which is fine. You know, when you're hungry, you have to eat. So convenient. (laughs) Very convenient. But I didn't have any concept of nutrition and how to how to really um, fuel your body for physical and also mental well-being. Right. So I was eating pizza like all all day, every oh, day, yes. and ice cream and all these things that, you know, now I still eat, but in moderation, right? Yeah. And so um, it got to the point where I just was really unhappy with, and I'll be honest, with how I looked and and I didn't have energy either. So I went from being this like super confident, you know, high schooler to then feeling really lost because I wasn't, I didn't feel like myself, right? And so I saw the changes with my body and and just, I wasn't exercising either. So I grew up dancing competitively all throughout high school. So I was dancing eight to 10 hours a week. Um, and so I went from doing that to being 
on campus and not having any form of exercise. And so there were a lot of changes that happened. And um, so it was one of those things where I realized, okay, I think, I, you know, I, I, I'm at the point where I want to make a change because I don't feel like I have the energy that I used to have and I don't feel confident in myself anymore. And so I started reading my brother's fitness magazines. And really? from there <laughs> I thought, well, you know, like if if guys can get, you know, in shape doing all these exercises, women should be able to get in shape doing these these same exercises too. We all have the same body parts. So um so it just started from there and slowly and you know the gym at least for me, and I know it, it's 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 common across college campuses too. It's very intimidating for oh, yes. a lot of college women. Um, there's not a lot of women in there to begin with, and so you tend to kind of just stay to the corners, um, to the cardio machines because that's what you're told, right? And um, and so that's kind of what I was doing, and that wasn't really working. And so that's when I really turned to my brother and and to a couple of friends who you know were in the weight room, um, guy friends that were like, hey, you know, like we can teach you. And so slowly, that's how I became more confident in the gym. But, but you know, I always say like for college women, it doesn't have to be the gym where you feel intimidated and in, right. Yeah. There's so many other areas on campus, whether it's a class or um, an organization that you're a part of where you may feel like you're an outsider and you may feel like you don't belong. And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the gym for for you. But that's like the place on campus where I felt like I didn't belong. Right. Until I started getting more comfortable and, and kind of like throwing myself out of my comfort comfort zone to, to learn and to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. You said that you were into your brother's magazines. And <laughs> I think that's an interesting thing that I've seen recently as well, that um, strength training is actually really important for women and not just getting on the treadmill or the stationary bike and doing uh, all the cardio, um, doing like strength and like building yourself and making yourself strong. And I like that how you brought in that, you know, it's making yourself a strong, strong girl, strong woman and really building you up. And it's not just, uh, not making yourself smaller. I feel like that's almost what cardio is some days is that Absolutely. concept of making yourself smaller. Yeah. And, um, you know, back then, so I'm, I'm not that old. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still 29, but you know, so I was a freshman in 2008 and, and women's exercise and fitness magazines still, I think now there's more of a trend towards really incorporating strength training and resistance training for women exercise. And just the media has come a long way in these last couple of years and especially with Instagram now right so but back then women's exercise magazines I still felt like they were very like fluffy and foo-foo and there weren't you know it was just like do this and do that and and the men's ma fitness magazines actually had strength training exercises and actual workouts that you could do and I think now it's it's kind of you know evolved um but I always say you know so often we hear other women just come have this mentality and this mindset of, of, of losing weight, of losing our flaws, changing all the things that we don't like about ourselves. And so what I really try to focus on is changing that mindset to a mindset of gaining strength, gaining energy and gaining confidence with everything that I do. And so kind of switching that from a mindset where you're focused on your deficits to a mindset where you're focused on your strengths and all of the things that you're good at. And so that's what I focus on with the strong movement and all of the women that I work with. I love that in that it's not just making yourself smaller, or making yourself less. Like you said, it's making it's what you can bring and build into yourself. So with this and like with these exercises and with these 
different guides that you create, do you see a correlation between like building your strength and like building your confidence with the women you work with? Absolutely. So the strong movement, it's really evolved since I was a freshman with my little blog on campus where it was really, you know, it started with exercise and with fitness. And that's still a really large component of what I do today. But the majority of what I do now is really focused on mental health and overall well-being, right? So we do, um, it really is all about having that confidence, but that confidence comes from building on your strengths because your strengths are what make you, you. And so, um, you know, it doesn't have to be something that's exercise or fitness related or something that's physical, right? It can, it can be from doing the things that you really love to do, doing the things that you're good at being involved in, in organizations where you can really show your strength and, and, and show, um, and be a leader by, by doing the things that you're already good at. So when you say well-being, can you define that for me? What do you what is your definition of well-being or wellness? Right. So well-being, it's a, such an interesting world be, a word because there's so many different definitions, right? And so um you know, one thing I haven't mentioned is that I actually went to school. I went back to school to get my master's in applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania where positive psychology is essentially the science of well-being. And so I guess to give you a definition of positive psychology, it's basically, you know, the scientific field and it's a scientific process of studying all of the processes and the conditions that contribute to human flourishing. So all positive psychology aims to study and and, and it covers a wide variety of different scientific fields. It's not just like fair, it's not just one field, but through all these different fields, you they study, you know, what makes humans rise and thrive? What makes them actualize and optimize? What makes them be their best? What makes them live a life of fulfillment um, and, and happiness? And so I guess when you talk about well-being, for me, it really is all about, okay, well, a person as a whole, right? So what, you know, when you look at your life, does your life have, you know, moments of joy and happiness? Are you engaged with the work that you're doing? Do you have positive relationships that support you and that build you up? Not just in the times where life is, you know, not going so well, but also in the times where life is going really well and you're celebrating um, accomplishments and successes. Like you need friends there for you. You need other relationships. And then, um, you know, does your life have meaning? That's very important. Um, and then also to having those accomplishment, accomplishments, right? So like working towards your goals and, and that can be anything from, you know, something super simple to long-term goals too. And a lot of times we forget that, you know, when you think of accomplishment, right? Like you think of just that final moment, that peak of reaching that that your goal, right? Or the top. And we forget that a lot of times that 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 journey along the way can actually be a journey of struggle and can be very difficult. So you're not actually like super happy in those moments where you're working and there it's grueling to get to your goal. But but that feeling of accomplishment makes it all worth it, right? So having that fulfillment at the end. And so I think it's a combination of a wide variety of things. And so I wish I could give you a straight answer of like, this is well-being. And and well-being is different for everyone, right? Um, you know, you have to find the things that you enjoy doing that contribute to your life, right? And so, you know, I might, uh, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but I might enjoy doing one thing and and you don't like, you don't enjoy doing doing it. And so that would not contribute to your, well, to your well-being. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's a really great and just overall definition because it's not just one thing. You can't just, like you said, you can't just look at one thing and say, 
this is what it is well-being. If you're running a 5K, that is well-being. <laughs> Personally, myself, do not like to Same. 5K. Not my thing. Not a runner. Um, I know there are people out there that love it. Not me. Um, so like for if someone were to come up and say that to me, I'd be like, well, that's not well-being for me. Right. But I like that there's all these different aspects of it from not even just fitness. It's like how you're mentally thinking and how are you taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally and your relationships. There's so many different aspects to this well-being and wellness and positive psychology. I never would have known that it was such a big field and big part of all of our lives. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love positive psychology. And I think sometimes too, in mainstream media, there's this misconception that positive psychology is all about being happy and that it's all, you know, like you have to have a smile on your face all the time. And it's all about, you know, being Pollyanna. And, you know, even when things go wrong, like you still have to be, you know, have this smile on your face and, and, you know, be cheery. And that's actually, actually not true at all. Like positive psychology and the, the science of it really it's about embracing the entire human condition. So it wouldn't be normal if you were happy all the time. That's not normal. That's not human, right? And so it's about understanding, okay, well, what can we learn from, um, you know, those times where we're not feeling so great or where we are experiencing negative emotions or, you know, sadness, anger, all these other things. What can we learn from that? Um, but it's about, you know, Obviously, you have to have more positive emotions than negative emotions in life. But but I think that people sometimes forget that it's not just always about being happy, that we can actually learn a lot from those times when we're not. I don't think there's anything wrong with being unhappy in cases. I mean, I think there's always that condition of you need to at some point pull yourself out of that or get the tools and techniques you need to get yourself out of that state. But you can definitely learn a lot from that position in your life. Mm -hmm. So if kind of going into that unhappiness realm, what are some things that you've noticed just like in your work that have really helped uh, people, whether it's a woman or a man in getting themselves out of that unhappy place and like doing those things that impact their positive psychology. Right. Well, I think that, you know, there's no denying that there is more that we're starting to see more anxiety and depression on college campuses. Right. And um, it's something that continues to increase for a wide variety of reasons. Um, There's a lot of now research being done to figure out, okay, well, what's going on? And, you know, college students are and just the world and and the people in general right now are feeling very, very stressed. But even more specifically in college, going back to, you know, you're, you're in a new setting, you're, you have this whole new lifestyle, you're thrown into a community where you don't, you know, know everyone, right? So you're forced to kind of start over when you get to college. And so, um, and you, you have to deal with academics and school and just adjusting and, and, your brain is still developing when you're in your late teens, your brain develops all the way, you know, through 25, maybe even into your late 20s. And so all these changes are going on. And so sometimes it can be really overwhelming and you don't have the tools to deal with it all. And so you start to experience, you know, anxiety and depression. And um, I always say, you know, if you're at that point where you feel like you can't get out of it, you absolutely have to see a professional, um, whether, you know, it's to get therapy or medication, whatever it is for you, but to seek out help. And I think that's something that that we're starting to see on college campuses where it is the stigma is going away. But I think it's still so important because so many of us think that like, oh, well, we can just figure it out ourselves and I can help myself feel better, right? But having professionals and a support system to help you. Um, 
you know, so if so let's just say it's it's not clinical and it's not to the point where you are feeling like you can't handle life, right? Where it's just, you know, you're you're doing okay, you're you're healthy and you're feeling a little unhappy or sad. Like that's normal, right? Like again, it wouldn't be normal if we just felt great all the time. But I think um for me it's looking at okay, well what is it that I'm focusing on every day? Am I stuck in my phone? Am I dwelling on things that aren't that important? Um, what are what are the things that are, are making me feel this way? And so I think, at least for me, one thing that I've realized is, you know, I was spending so much time on my cell phone and so much time in technology. And so taking a step away from that and um, just having almost like a tech detox really helped um, and, and, and the, in those moments where I feel overwhelmed, just taking that step away helps so much, at least for my own personal well-being. So, yeah, I, I guess it's, it's, it's hard because everybody's different. Right. So I can't just say, like, do this one thing. Right. And that'll make you that'll make you feel better. Yeah. But I think really like taking a step back and reflecting on what are the things you're focusing on every day and what are the things that you're doing and finding something that's easy to change, whether it's take getting rid of technology or adding something into your life that you're doing every single day um, to help you. So I wish I had a more specific answer. <laughs> well, I think that's completely valid to, I mean, I don't think it's fair to be able to say you need to just get rid of technology or you need to just eat the salad or yeah. there's not just a one size fits all for everyone. Right. I really like the fact that you bring up that go to therapy, go get professional help if you need it, because there's nothing wrong in that. And I think you make a good point of with going, especially with college students going on to college campuses for the first time. That's one of the first times a lot of these people are just out of their home environment, out of their comfort zones, and it really stretches them. But that's probably not the last time that they'll be out of their comfort zones. Young people are moving around more than ever. We have the gig economy that's happening. So you're always going to be out of your comfort zone these days. So it's really important to build those skills while you're in college and while you're still a young adult and you can, you know, your mind is still malleable and you can get those techniques in there and you can learn how to function with your brain and your normal and do all of that thing, all those things that are so important for your well-being. Right. And college is such, it's the time where you're, where you really are coming into your own. And so having a wide variety of experiences help you as you're trying to navigate life and figure it out. Right. Um, and, and it, like you said, it is the first time that you're really, for most people are thrown out of your, your normal routine. So what is something that you do that really helps influence your well-being and how you live your life and really brings you into that positive aspect of yourself? Yeah. Um, I would say gratitude. Gratitude is something that I have incorporated into my life. And it's been a couple of years now where it has become a daily practice. And it's it's so funny because gratitude just, just spreads, right? It's like a domino effect. So now my family, you know, does all these gratitude exercises and it's something that it's like something that keeps on giving. And so there's a lot of research on gratitude and gratitude is actually one of the most important elements for well-being. It's something that, um, you know, we think a lot of times that gratitude just comes from the good things in our lives or the, the, the positives, right? But gratitude can actually emerge from really horrible negative events or circumstances, whether they're large or small. And it's just a matter of giving it time and then reflecting back on those moments and realizing, wow, there were actually positive blessings that came from that or positive relationships that came out of these experiences were at the time were not so great. And so when you look at gratitude, 
you know, say it's, it takes, um, there's a couple of different components to gratitude, right? So you have to recognize that there's a source of goodness that you have received in your life. And then you have to acknowledge that that goodness is actually not because of you. It's, it's that you've received it from an outside source, whether it's, um, God, if you, you know, if you believe in a God or a higher being or someone else or, you know, something else. And so it's this other focused mentality. So it takes a focus off of you and into, you know, your greater world. And so kind of having that shift where you're not just in your head, but really recognizing that there's other people and other things involved um, in your gratitude. And so I, um, I always say like, you know, gratitude is the best attitude as cliche as that I love sounds, it. but I love really it. having an, having this mindset where you are living a grateful life, um, is, is so important because once you acknowledge that there's goodness around you, uh, you know, it just, you, you don't have time to focus on all of the negative things. Yeah. It's, and I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Of life isn't always great. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. I mean, and I think gratitude's a great way of looking in those times where it's not all great and life sometimes will suck. Mm-hmm. And you can look at those moments and still get something out of it and still turn it around almost. Right, right. And so, so I have a practice if I can yes, share with you. I love it. <laughs> so, um, so I, I always recommend, and I try to do this. So, so before you go to bed, you can, you know, have a journal. So it's kind of like a gratitude journal, right? But writing three good things that happened in your life that day. So, and you can make it even harder if you want to say three good things that happened, you know, in half the day, or, in, yeah. you know, if you want to make it a little bit easier than the last 24 hours. So writing at the, at night before you go to bed and getting yourself into the right mindset for proper sleep, getting, you know, thinking about, okay, well, what are three things that went well? And they can be anything from, you know, something super tiny to something that was actually pretty, pretty big that happened that day. And then think writing, so writing it down and then writing down, you know, why it happened and what it means to you. And so studies have actually shown that doing this gratitude exercise increases your happiness levels and your overall well-being, not just for, you know, that day. So immediately afterwards, but if you incorporate this into your life, so if you do this a minimum for a week, you know, it it increases your well-being levels for that week. And it's even been shown to increase your well-being levels even up to six months out if you do this continuously. So and there's a lot of really great benefits from gratitude. <laughs> I can speak for hours on this. <laughs> and I, it's something that I don't think we think about that often. I think it's especially in a culture where we're going, 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 taking that time and reflecting and thinking back of what are we grateful for? What are the good things that have happened? Mm-hmm. Um, so would you mind sharing what what was what are you grateful for in the last 24 hours? Oh, OK. So, um, well, I um, have just recently flown. So. Just I and also too I uh, another way to think about it is, you know, think about all the things that had to go right for you to be here in this very moment, right? And so when I think about the last twenty four hours, I just got off a plane, and so all of the things that had to go right just mechanically to get that plane from you know where I was to where I am now. Thankfully, it went right. <laughs> yeah, and so all of that, and then um, you know, I last night I had so last night I had pizza, right? And so like I love pizza, and and so I'm 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 grateful that I got to have a really great meal and I got to share it with a family member, and so so that's two, right? So one more. Um, 
and this is kind of funny, but I always say this too. I woke up this morning and I washed my hair. And so it's always a great day that when you can wash your so hair. so nice. It's the best. It's my favorite day of like the couple of days mm-hmm. I go. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so it can be something really big or really small. But um, yeah, days that I wash my hair, it's a good day. It's a good day. <laughs> I would agree. I think that's just such an, it's an easy exercise mm-hmm. in so many ways. And I mean, you just listed off three things. And I, I like the, you know, the little things, especially with the plane. And I'm glad we don't have like a lost situation on our hands. Right. Um, but I, it's so nice to like think of even those little minute things, whether it's like I went to Starbucks this morning. I am grateful my barista put cream in my coffee for me. Mm-hmm. That's such a small thing, but like I didn't have to do the lid. I have my little sip cup and such a small thing. And you can really just start the day off right with that. Or you can end your day if you do it at the end of the day. Totally. And even taking it a step further, thinking about that connection that you made with the barista, you know, my, our lives are make made up of these micro connections that we have every single day with all the people that we come in contact in. And so a lot of times we forget that, that, those connections actually contribute to our well-being. And so if the barista was super energetic and positive and friendly, that contributed to your well-being too. And so that whole Starbucks experience, not just the actual coffee or just the experience of getting your coffee, right? But the entire experience contributed to your well-being. Yeah. And I like what you said with those micro relationships. I think we focus on the big relationships, you know, our friends, our family, but it's that person you meet in the hallway or there's a couple in the elevator on the way up that told me to have a great day. It's these little micro things that they those can really set you up for success or if someone like cuts you off in traffic or a small Mm -hmm. micro relation that can just set you off in the bad boy. I think that's a really interesting thing to think about as well. And what kind of gratitude can we bring from that as well? And even taking that a step further, realizing that you yourself are a micro connection in someone else's life as you go throughout the day. And so you know, that's something that I really like to speak on because so often we think, like you said, it's just about the people that we have already, that we have these relationships with. But if you're, you know, a student on campus, you're, as you're walking about your day, going to class, going to all these events, you are making eye contact with people. You are, you know, having these micro connections and, and, and like we said, you know, it's just so huge for our well being. And there's actually, research on micro connections. <laughs> I love it. And and how that can contribute to um well-being but also to to organizations too. So I always say, you know, when you're in a sorority, it's impossible to be besties with everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's just so many and and the human brain can't, you know, it's it's overload. You can't be best friends with everyone, right? But you can have positive relationships and positive connections with one another. And and I think it's it's funny because as I travel the country um, doing the work that I do and, and working with sorority women, leading confidence workshops and workouts, um, I have, you know, I come in contact with a lot of people and, and coming from L.A. where it is a very... Um, it's 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 a very rough city. It's very you know the the people in LA aren't and at least in my experience aren't the friendliest. <laughs> so I always say like you know people will will hurry if you're getting in an elevator they'll hurry to like close the elevator on you so you can't get on. But in other parts of the country that is not the case. No. They're actually friendly. They wait for you to get on. And so so having those those positive connections I've realized is is so important. I think that goes back to the whole thing of well being in general. You have to have that positive connection. So that's one of those things that you can do that's 
I wouldn't say easy because connections are sometimes not for everyone easy, but it's something that you can do that will help you in your overall well-being. That's maybe it's not just eating right or going to the gym. You can also connect with those around you and that can do so much for someone in terms of well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A smile can go a long way. It sure can. And just kindness in general. Well, Elise, we're at the part of our podcast where we like to ask our guests a question and that is, what is your purpose? That's such a big, that's such a big question, right? It is, yeah. And I think for so many of us, like we're trying to figure that out, right? As we go through life and as we get older and with all the experiences that we have. Um, But I always come back to why the Strong Movement started. And it was to help other women and to inspire other women to be their best. And so if I can be a positive force in someone else's life, you know, I've done my job. And I always say that too, you know, when I, I work with, thousands of sorority women every year. And if I can just help one person, then I've done my job. And so my purpose is to inspire other women to be their best in whichever positive way I can. I think that's a great purpose to have. Thank Not that you. I'm judging anyone's purposes, <laughs> but I that's just such a wholesome thing to do and really a, self, a selfless thing to do as well. Right, right. And I think, you know, sometimes it can be overwhelming, right? Because I, I want to just help everyone, right? But I have to bring it back to, okay, if I can just be a positive force for one person, then I've done my job. You sure have. Well, Elise, if anyone wants to talk to you more or find out more about the Strong Movement, how could they do that? So you can go online at www.thestrongmovement.com. On Instagram, you can follow the Strong Movement. You can also follow my personal account. It's Mostly just me and my fiance. We're planning a wedding. So. Oh, that's exciting. So it's just, I feel like, you know, I looked back and every picture is just us too. So I'm like, okay, great. And um, so you can, yeah, so you can find the Strong Movement online. You can always reach out to me personally, DM me. I'm, I feel like nowadays you can find anybody, right? Really? Yeah. <laughs> so easy. Just sh- slide into the DMs, right? Yeah. And if you are in a sorority and you're on the exec board and you're, you know, looking to bring uh, a program to your sorority chapter, you can um, reach out to me. So like I said before, I lead confidence workshops and workouts. Um, It's called the Strong Girl Workshop and Workout. And we incorporate 10 different steps on how to be strong, confident, and happy. And they're all based in positive psychology and recent research. So uh, it's 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 scientifically based, and I share with you a lot of studies that people aren't really familiar with um, in a really fun and engaging and interactive way. So it's something that's that's really great to build sisterhood within your chapter. Well, that sounds great, and sounds like a great team building exercise in general as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I loved chatting with you about all things wellness and uh, everything in between, and it was so great to have you. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be a part of this, and and thank you for reaching out to me. So. So great to have this conversation today. Such a positive connection. (laughs) Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.